In the late 1980s and early 1990s, satanic panic was real and alive in America. If you thought that the West Memphis Three were the only victims of such a case, wait till you hear the case of Gerard Keith Harden and Jeffrey Dwayne Clark, who were convicted but later acquitted for the murder of Rhonda Sue Warford. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Rhonda Sue Warford. Welcome <laughs> to a deep, dark, dank, and still fucking cold basement. It's like 80, 60 degrees it's 70 outside. degrees outside and it's 40 in this basement. And in the summertime, we'll be bitching about how hot it is in this basement. Yeah, I hate, I, I'm, I would rather be cold than hot, to be honest. True, I agree. You can only get so naked. <laughs> I can put clothes on. Yeah, well, you don't want to see that. <laughs> Too bad we don't have the live feed for Penny everybody to see. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another. Well, All right. This is going to be a little bit different of an episode today. We're doing an episode where Coach is learning, just like you, what the fuck happened. Yeah, I got <laughs> I got distracted. I got busy. I didn't fucking research a thing. I don't even know the names of these people until you just said it. So it's going to be a reveal episode is what I'm going to call it. If you're familiar with the podcast Necronomapod, one of those guys doesn't do shit either. <laughs> it's going to be like that. He's going to be like, whoa. So, however, we do have some five-star reviews, which I thought were amazing. Um, Queen of the Multiverse said, and the title is my favorite title of all time when it comes to reviews. The title is Two Dumb Asses in a Basement, (laughs) 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 which we are 100% that. She said, one of my favorite podcasts, Arlo and the Coach, never fail to bring a smile to my face week after week. Well, we certainly try and we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Then we got one on Friday from Cara LK. She said, everything I wanted, five stars. I love true crime podcasts, especially when the hosts have good chemistry and we get a real sense of their personalities. These guys have the perfect balance of funny, personal conversation while staying on topic. And as of right now, there aren't any (laughs) mid-episode ads. We're trying to, we're going to disappoint you guys pretty soon, but we're trying to get some, actually, some actual advertisers. They may not be mid-episode, but we're going to have some. We're going to put them at the front. We're going to try. Mister, uh, Unless they say, here's $1,000, I want it everywhere. Be like, okay, and now a word from our sponsors. Bro, you give me $1,000, I will fucking put everything. The whole thing will turn into. An advertisement for their product. <laughs> we will somehow tie. Well, this missing person, if only they had mythical meat. <laughs> they, anyway, uh, she said, as of right now, there aren't any mid-episode ads. Thank the Lord. If I hear another teletherapy ad i'm gonna run off into the woods they definitely deserve the revenue though oh that's awesome thank you the episodes are full of dark humor while still being heartfelt for victims and it's always nice to hear more southern podcasters out there this is hands down my new favorite podcast edit heard arlo and coach's shout out to this review and i just wanted to say that y'all should get an ad money because you deserve it you your episodes make my day yeah, we shouted her out last week. We did? Yeah. I know. See, but he's on top of things, ladies and gentlemen. I drink a lot. Well, <laughs> we'll just let everybody know we did it again because the edit. Hey. That's why. Shh. <laughs> well, the good news is the people in Malta still love us. Hey. You Number 44 man, you in True blind, Crime. Man, Malta is coming through like a champ. Guess who jumped on the board this week? Finland. We're number 170. Thank you, Finland. We got a super fan from Down Under. She's been uh, messaging us on Instagram. And she has requested some things from Down Under. So we will definitely be traveling to the penal colony of Britain later. (laughs) (laughs) 
man, there's a there's a winery called Thirteen Crimes from Australia. And it's pretty good stuff, but it's named after the 13 crimes they could get you sent to Australia. The good news is, like everything else, that's all of the bullshit. Yeah, we, we, we don't have any advertisements because we don't have any sponsors. <laughs> but we are going to talk about Miss Rhonda Sue Warford. I don't know who that is. She was a 19-year-old from Louisville, Kentucky. And at approximately 7 p.m. on April the 1st of 1992, Warford went to the Kroger grocery store near her home. Or, if you're from the South, it's called Kroger's. Kroger's. The Kroger's. The Kroger's. Or the Walmart. I do. I like... um, Louisville is such a good city. There's a movie that I'm quite fond of called The Big Lebowski that they have a Lebowski Fest in Louisville every year, and I've been about six times, and every time, it is amazing. So if you are familiar with that movie, and you want a bowl dressed as Jeffrey Lebowski, or any of the characters, it is amazing. They have like a, a lawn party with a band and a comedian, and then they show the movie, and then the next night it's like a bowling party. So shout out to Louisville. So when Rhonda no, 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 no. returned okay, home go ahead. <laughs> approximately a half hour after she left, she told her mother of a strange occurrence in the parking lot. Oh, by the way, if you don't know, since we can't get Kentucky beer here, even though we're in Georgia, we're drinking Papsley Ribbon because it's cheap and it's available. And when it's cold, it's decent. It's pretty damn good. Yeah. It won a blue ribbon. Mm-hmm. Like 1893. <laughs> but it won it. So Rhonda tells her mom that this strange man approached her in the parking lot. And according to her, she was being harassed by this man. The man was telling her that he wanted to marry her. Now, while she was upset by this craziness, she informed her mother around midnight of the same day that she was heading back out. And that would be the last time her mother or father would see Rhonda alive. When she failed to return home, her mother filed a missing person report with the Louisville police the morning of April the 2nd. Three days later, on April the 5th, at approximately 7.30 a.m., Rhonda's body was discovered nine miles southwest of Brandenburg, Kentucky, near the Meade-Breckenridge County line off Highway 823. She was discovered by a couple looking at real estate in the area. Court filings would say that her body was found laying face down. She had canvas white tennis shoes on, red sweatpants, a dark blue shirt, and a multicolored jacket. There were many stab wounds found on her back. She had a one-inch cut on the surface of her right hand, and she had a four-tenths of an inch cut on her right index finger. So she was trying to defend herself, basically. The chief medical examiner for the Commonwealth of Kentucky observed a stab wound that pierced her lung through the upper right chest and stab wounds at the base of her skull, one of which was the fatal wound and severed her brainstem. So it seems to me, as I'm hearing this for the first time, that somebody was pretty fucking angry at this woman. Yes. That's not, uh, that's not a little thing. That's not robbery. Did. That's up close personal yeah, vent, you know, some hate. Yeah, to... To kill someone with a knife anyway, like the Joker said, you know, it's a very personal thing. Like you find out, you find out who they are in their last moments. But yeah, somebody was fucking pissed at this woman. The medical examiner also saw that Rhonda had an inverted cross tattoo below her left clavicle. He concluded that her death was the result of multiple stab wounds following a close-range violent struggle as evidenced by defensive wounds on Warford's hand. And I kind of chuckled there because he determined that she died of stab wounds. That was How could you chuckle, man? This is a real person that died. It is, and I, I'm not taking away from that's that. That's it. This is that's it. This guy's a damn idiot. We're done. I can't I can't work with you anymore <laughs> after that. That's all it took. <laughs> not the paydays. <laughs> Man, I'll, don't don't bring that's a sensitive topic. If you if you're aware of that, I'm still very sore about that. How can anyone even eat a fucking payday, much less think they're the best? My go-to candy bar. <laughs> 
The only other solid evidence found at the scene were several gray hairs clenched in Rhonda's hands, as well as several others found on her red sweatpants she had been wearing at the time of her disappearance. Fingernail scrapings were obtained as well. Now, investigators would soon learn from Rhonda's mother that she had been involved in a on-again, off-again, bad, tumultuous relationship with a 22-year-old man named Gar Keith Harden. According to a friend of Rhonda's, at one point, Rhonda had suspected that she was pregnant with Harden's child. Keith was overheard telling Rhonda after she broke the news, quote, if you are pregnant, I will kill you and that effing baby. Well, that's a little extreme. Just a tad. <laughs> While little other witness testimony could corroborate that Harden had been physically or emotionally abusive to Rhonda in the relationship, prosecutors decided to take a crazy turn and focus on the possibility that Rhonda was the latest victim in a rash of satanic ritual murders taking place across the country. Sidebar, I think there's only been two. One in Mexico, and then like just maybe it's less than seven or eight years ago, this guy carved his wife up and said the devil made him do it. No, that one in Mexico, though, we should probably cover at some point because, man, it's crazy. But yeah, it was legit satanic sacrifice according to authorities the first thing that this led them to satan worshiping came from Rhonda's mother according to the mom keith harden and his friend jeffrey Dwayne clark along with the sister and Rhonda herself had all been suspected of being satanists an inverted cross tattoo that we talked about being on her left clavicle according to law enforcement, corroborated this possibility that she had fallen into the wrong crowd that was interested in partying, listening to heavy metal music, and reading occult books. That's it, man. Heavy metal. All of which are are not not fucking crimes. No, dude. It is a crime. You can't listen to metal. (laughs) The only thing that would make this worse is if it was like the West Memphis Three and they found black t-shirts. Police were able to find more evidence that they believe suggested the crime was somehow related to a satanic sacrifice, including occult-related documents at the home of Keith Harden and knives that could have been used as the murder weapon. Keith was interviewed extensively by police. It was during these interviews that Keith told police on the night of Rhonda's disappearance that he had been with Jeffrey Clark. And Jeffrey, according to whoever statement you read, either Jeffrey was helping Keith look for a lost snake while drinking beer, or Keith was helping Jeffrey look for a lost snake drinking beer. What? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a hell of a night. I mean, but what else are you going to do in in Northwest Kentucky in 92? Get drunk and look for a snake. Might as well. I mean, hey, you know. When I see 1992, I was like in like fourth grade, maybe. So now, according I wasn't doing much snake hunting. Now, according to Keith, he tells police that he hadn't seen Rhonda since March 29th. And according to police, they say bullshit. According to the mom, the red sweatpants that Rhonda was found wearing... She had washed the night before she went out. According to a hair strand analysis, the hairs found at the scene were, quote, similar to a sample taken from Harden. So investigators determined that the fact that Harden hadn't seen Rhonda prior to her murder was a lie, since they believe there's no way after a pair of sweatpants had been washed that hairs could have stayed on them. Seems weird. That hairs would stay on after a wash. I'm not Does your wife have long hair? Yeah. Okay. She does. When you wash your clothes, do you like you put on a fresh shirt or pants and you're driving down the road and you're like, Jesus Christ, she shed all over them and these come out of the dryer? Mm, no, not typically. You're lying. Dog hair, maybe, but not my wife's hair. So you mean to tell me 
Washing your clothes doesn't remove dog hair? It's very hard. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it, I'm sure it re, re, uh, re, removes some, but we just have a lot of dog hair. So you're not going to get rid of all of it. Now, according to Clark, and since police believe he's the accomplice, they start grilling these two, and they search through Clark's residence. And they are able to find several knives. Well, they did it. I mean, there's knives, dude. And it's clear that they're guilty. Same thing with the West Memphis Three. They happened to find a knife in they, the lake. They found a, a knife year. in the lake like a year later, and that proved it, man. Like, there's no way that they didn't do it. Why would that knife be in that lake? It's not the fact that we threw it in there because I was pissed at you. Now, on top of the knives that they found, which, you know, is a death sentence right there. No, if you got, they, if you own a knife. They did it. I mean, they have a knife. Oh, God. So they also, uh, Clark tells them that he had not seen Rhonda since December of 91, yet they find a fingerprint belonging to Rhonda in Clark's car. So they suspect that Clark had not been truthful about the last time he had seen Rhonda. However, this suspicion was later dismissed during the trial when an expert testified there is no way to date a fingerprint and it was possible the fingerprint had been there for months, as Clark claimed. If he's a teenager, well, he's not a teenager. He's in his 20s. I guarantee you, he's not washing his car very often. No, I can't. I couldn't tell you the last time I washed my car. But that's because I drive a, I drive a shit box, so. Despite all of this mountain of evidence that we've just gone over, I know this is going to come as a shock, but both Harden and Clark are indicted for first-degree motive. Motive? I mean motive. Murder. <laughs> Their motive was a satanic ritual sacrifice. Police surmise that Hardin and Clark believed they would get more power by doing such a sacrifice. Now, the head detective was Mr. Mark Handy. Keep that name handy. Handy. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> It was Detective Handy who originally suggested this satanic theory to prosecutors. So stupid. He also used a series of tactics that would quickly earn him the reputation as the closer. That's a good name, though. If you're if you're a lawyer, no, you're he's a detective. I mean, God dang, pay attention. I, I'm trying. <laughs> If you're a detective and your nickname is The Closer, that's pretty amazing. And the reason is it's said that if anyone, a lot of cases. if anyone could get a confession, you were on top of things, man. Swish. Count it. Yep. From downtown. If anyone could get a confession, Handy was the man. Because he was the handyman. <laughs> Unfortunately. You're cracking me up today, man. You're on a ball. Detective Handy was not above using some... Let's say uh, illegal activities to secure confessions. Are you talking about the third degree? He would lie to Harden and Clark and suggest that both men had failed a polygraph test and pressure them to confess. But Harden and Clark wasn't playing ball, and they both refused. I promise you this. I don't plan on committing any crimes, but if and when I do, I ain't saying Shit. Lawyer. That, yeah, that's the only word I'll say. Lawyer. Where were you on the night? Lawyer. Where? Lawyer. It's like if you've watched the, the um, what's the, the child books, not child, children books, but Lee Child's books on that Tom Hanks did movies on. What is it called? Forrest Gump? No, Tom Hanks isn't for, I mean. Tom Hanks was Yeah, Tom Gump. Hanks isn't. Tom yeah. Cruise. Come on. I, Come I on. Yell at me. Yell at me. Let's do this. Come on, tell me Tom Hanks wasn't, wasn't Forrest Gump. Tom Cruise did it, and in one of the scenes of one of the movies, the guy says, now you don't have to say anything, and he says, okay. And so he starts asking him all these questions, and he doesn't answer them, and he goes, are you got anything to say? He goes, you said I didn't have to say anything. I don't know what movie that is. Oh, I can't think of it. It'll come to me later. Maybe I don't watch a lot of Tom Cruise movies. All right, so I was in, thinking Mission Impossible no, or Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Instead of a lot of evidence like we have stated, the closer 
Detective Handy decides to call in character witnesses to testify during Harden and Clark's trial. And just like the West Memphis Three, they are tried together, which is horseshit. Well, two of the West Memphis Three were tried together. Well, it's because... Not, the, not all of them. It's because the other one had the confession. But anyway, now one witness, and this just happened to be Clark's ex-girlfriend, and you know, she's not carrying a grudge or nothing. <laughs> claimed that Clark had admitted to her that he was interested in Satanism and had even taken her to the secret spot that Clark claimed he would sacrifice various animals. It was during this conversation that Clark told his ex-girlfriend he had a desire to sacrifice a human. She also claimed that Clark, like Rhonda, had an inverted cross tattoo. This was disputed by Clark's parents. I don't care if it was disputed by Clark's parents or not. When they arrest you, they take photos of any identifying marks. It would have been real easy to say, yep, he's got one, or no, he don't. But again, I digress. Now, Rhonda's sister, Michelle, would also have to take the stand and claim that Harden was involved in Satanism, but admitted that she had never witnessed him participate any form of any type of act that would be tied to Satanism. A bloodstained rag and broken glass with the presence of blood was found in Harden's kitchen sink. The authorities considered this to be crucial evidence in the case. Not that he could have broke a glass or cut himself. No, no, no. Had to be satanic. Had to be. Yeah, I mean, Satan has cut themselves too. Yeah. With just bro- they just find like broken glass and leave it laying around <laughs> the sink. Harden also claimed that he had cut his hand on the glass that he was, and then used the rag to stop the bleeding on his hand. Prosecutors, going on Detective Handy's theories of Satanistic dealings, suggested that the broken glass was a ritual chalice used to drink blood and that the rag had been used to wipe up the blood that remained on Harden's hand after he committed animal sacrifices. And according to Detective Handy, Harden admitted this to him. Well, I mean, if he admitted that, then, I mean, he's got to be a Satanist. The proverbial nail in the coffin would come from, of all places, a Mr. Clifford Capps. And he was (laughs) a fellow inmate awaiting trial at the jail. Ah, so he's trying to get special privileges. Hmm, maybe. I mean, you think... People do that? I would. So Caps would claim that Clark confessed to Rhonda's murder to him twice while they shared a cell. Once, he claims that he Clark confessed and was laughing. The second time he confessed to Caps, Clark had a, quote, serious expression on his face. Why so serious? I watched that last night. I did too, man. So, did you really? Yeah, I did. That's, That's crazy. crazy. But that is the best so, fucking movie, man. I remember being so pissed off when I saw that Heath Ledger was going to be Joker. I was like, this is going to be terrible. Oh, I can't believe it. And then I saw the movie and I was like, I've never been so wrong in my life. He did excellent, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's put a smile on that face. <laughs> now, anyway, <laughs> back to the case. Caps' testimony would convince the jury that both men had, in fact, murdered Rhonda. But... The jury refused to impose the death penalty. Therefore, both Harden and Clark were sentenced to life in prison. And it would be nearly 25 years after their conviction that the tactics of Detective Handy would be called into question. Now, according to Louisville's Wave 3 News in an expose in December of 2017, they aired that Harden and Clark are just two of four people suspected to have been wrongly convicted in cases headed by the closer, Detective Handy. That's just terrible, man. During this investigation that Wave 3 News started, the Meade County Sheriff's Department interviewed both Clark and Harden. Clark denied owning a knife. (laughs) He also claimed... I don't know why. But, oh, no, man. I don't even have steak knives. <laughs> he also claimed that the I last time. I pick that steak up and eat it. Man. Yeah. I don't, I don't my, cut it. I don't I do just, nothing. Like a dog. That's funny. Maybe I shouldn't research anymore because that's pretty. He I'm also so much. He also claimed that the last time he had seen 
Rhonda was in December of 91, like we stated previously, and that he was with Harden from the evening of April the 1st, 1992, through the next morning. Harden admitted that he owned a knife, but claimed that the last time he saw Rhonda was on March 29th when he stayed at her house. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, there might be one in my house. Like, maybe. <laughs> I might use one when I hunt. <laughs> I admitted to owning a knife. I'm not. I'm not even. I'm not an outdoorsy person at all. And you have more than one. And there's probably fifty knives yeah. in this house, like fifty pocket knives. There's this. I got a machete. I'm literally sitting next to a hatchet. Some death implements. Yeah, and a a scythe. A scythe. That's one of them scythes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Now he would also claim. Uh, this is Harden would also claim that he was with Clark from the evening of April the 1st through the next morning looking. And according to this, now they were looking for Clark's lost snake and drinking beer. <laughs> the sheriff, however, determined that one hair from the victim's sweatpants had similar characteristics to the hair samples taken from Harden. The fact it didn't match. Just had similar, similar yeah, characteristics. And, and we're talking this, the hair was pulled in 92, and this investigation is reopened in 2017. Clearly, Satan. Yeah, clearly. Satan's involved. Yeah. The fact that Warford's mother had washed the sweatpants before she wore them on April 1st suggested to police, again, that he is lying. How could he have gotten his hair there? And then they bring up the fingerprint again on Clark's car. They also bring back up during this reinvestigation Clifford Capp's supposed testimony, but none of this would help their case. And just like we stated, they are both convicted of first degree mo murder in May of May seventh of nineteen ninety two. We're going to backtrack just a little bit. Nope. And that can't do it. We're going to touch on the ex-girlfriend, and her name is actually Amy Paget, And she would state... I think I know her. Yeah. Crazy ex-girlfriend Amy. She would state that not only did Clark tell her that he would like to try to kill a person because it would be a challenge to see if he could do it and get away with it. Oh, I was about to say, it's not really a challenge to kill somebody. He Getting also, away with it, yeah. though, that's a challenge. He also explained how a person could be killed by a stab wound to the base of the skull. He even took her to an area where he claimed he had made several sacrifices. And this, along with the fact that Amy, ex-girlfriend Amy, said that she had been taken to the same field that Rhonda's body was found in. Another witness, Miss Hope Jaggers, would testify that she was Rhonda's best friend for a year prior to Rhonda's death. Hope said that she heard Rhonda confess that she might be pregnant, and that's where the hearsay of him supposedly saying that he would kill her and the baby came from. Now, she would also go on to claim while on the stand that she had once seen Rhonda cut her fingertips with a razor and rub the blood on Harden. But when she was cross-examined, she was asked whether either Clark or Harden was involved with Satanism, and she said she had no knowledge of such involvement. <gasps> what? She, that girl talking out of both sides of her mouth. Now, another witness shown... It might be hard to believe this woman. I know. If she's telling... When she tells two distinct stories... <laughs> but when pressed one on... One of the two has to be wrong, so <laughs> therefore... But we're not, you know, we're not Kentucky. We, 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 we're just we going to go ahead and convict them. Yeah. There's another witness, Sean Lee Mattingly, and this is a friend of Clark, and he would testify that Clark always carried a knife with him and that Clark called one of those knives his sacrificial knife. Sean also told the jury that Clark had admitted to him that he had once sacrificed an animal in front of a church, an act that was reported on the local news. <gasps> what? Other witnesses would come forward stating they had not had any knowledge of Clark's involvement in Satanism. Two witnesses 
Warford's sister and one of his cousins said that they had never seen Clark or Harden involved in any type of satanic acts. However, like the other lady, Rhonda's sister would talk out of both sides of her mouth and she would say that she knew that Harden was involved in satanic worship. And then they get Clark's mother and stepfather to testify. And they both state that they had never seen an inverted cross tattooed on Clark's shoulder. Again, I go back to the fact that that's real easy to find out whether it's there or not. Do we know? Do we know if it's there? No, they never. They that's all they do is they just keep saying, "Well, it's, it's supposed." Easy. Yeah, it's real easy to find out, Arlo. Did you not research it? Yes, I did, and there's nothing out there on <laughs> poor Rhonda. Everything's on these two men. It's kind of like the West Memphis Three. It is, yeah. So just speaking about that, I know we're joking around and we're trying to be funny, but yeah, the fact that some of these cases, the victims are just completely forgotten. There's nothing like I tried to get on the Meade County. I don't know, government website and try to find mm-hmm. autopsy, death certificates, investigative note, trial transcripts, nothing. You had to, like, there's 1,400 hoops you'd have to jump through, and we're just like we state every week. Yeah. We ain't got the money or the time to yeah, do that no, shit. No, we're not doing it. But yeah, I mean, just like West Memphis 3, you know Damien Eccles' name. Uh, you know Jason Baldwin's name, but, I mean, can you name the three victims? I know, and that's what's and, – and people in Kentucky, in that area of Kentucky. S- Stevie Branch, Michael Moore, and – oh, no. Please, I forgot it. Oh, I'm proving my own point. <laughs> it's It burns. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sun. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. I got to – But anyway, going back to this. No, we're going to stick to this. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> you can look, and I'm going to continue to talk. But it's just like with this poor, if you're from that area, I guarantee you, you know these two men's name more than you know Rhonda's name. And that's a travesty, a damn travesty. Uh, the third Stevie is? Stevie Branch, Christopher Byers, yep, Christopher and Byers. James Michael Moore. I apologize to uh, the, Byers. the Byers family. I know Mark David Byers. I think he might be, still be alive. I know the mom is not, but yeah. I apologize for forgetting. I should have never, ever forgot. So, good job, there, dumbass. So, I, 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 I mean, I gotta admit, I was. So, I, I proved my own point. Like you forget the victims when it, it comes to cases like this because the, the so-called perpetrators or innocent people that have been convicted become the, the main topic. Now, on May eighteenth of nineteen ninety-five. <laughs> They were sentenced to life in prison. But Clark would file a petition for writ of habeas corpus in the U.S. District Court of the Western District of Kentucky on December 23rd of 1998. Kentucky? Kentucky. What the hell is that? It's a new one. The district court would deny this petition on November 16th, 1999, but Clark would follow up with another appeal. And this would set in a... in motion a set of things that really go to undermine a lot of Detective Handy's previous things. And we kind of touched on it first a little bit earlier, but I wanted to really touch on some of these and then we'll jump back into this case. So the same year that Rhonda is murdered, there is a man named Keith Kiki West. He was tried and convicted for the shooting death of Kevin Haraway and Gerald White. Police claim that West had been inside a vehicle with the two men when he shot and killed them. West then leaped from the vehicle moments before it crashed into a tree. West claimed that the two men had attempted to kidnap and sodomize him and that the shooting was in self-defense. Now, that News station in Louisville, Wave 3, would report that inside the vehicle, police did find a knife, a pawn shop receipt for a gun, as well as a lot of, quote, homosexuality-oriented literature. None of this was taken in as evidence by Detective Handy. Remember that uh, English teacher we worked with? Oh, God. Started writing the... The love things. the, The homosexual material and... Like, made it big. She's like, she stopped. She stopped teaching. She stopped teaching because she wrote about. Uh, <laughs> our principal. Our principal. <laughs> his bald head. And his bald head. Okay, so back. I'm sorry. 
Additionally, West Lawyer suggested that a witness interview had been rewound and taped over after Detective Handy had fed the witness additional information to include on the tape. This information was persuasive enough for a judge to reduce West's sentence to just 10 years in 1997. But not let him go. No. After securing the conviction of Hardin and Clark in Rhonda's murder, Handy then went on to screw up another case that would ultimately cost the taxpayers of Louisville almost $8.5 million in damages awarded to the defendant. Good Lord. Yeah, he screwed the pooch. So in 1993... How long did the the defendant stay in jail? Oh, we're getting there, bud. Because I'm just trying to figure out if it's worth it. I mean, I'll stay a couple years in jail if you give me eight point something million dollars. So in 1993, Edwin Chandler was convicted in the shooting death of a gas gas station worker, Brenda Whitfield. Though the shooting was captured by surveillance video, an employee had inadvertently taped over the footage with an airing of the David Letterman show. (laughs) Okay. While there was no physical evidence to suggest that then 19-year-old Edwin Chandler Chandler had been involved in the shooting, a former co-worker of Brenda Whitfield's came forward to testify that they saw someone who looked like Edwin on the footage. Again, keep in mind, this footage is non-existent now. It's just David Letterman. So this is all hearsay. I wonder who he had on. In 93? There's no telling. Uh, Probably Drew Barrymore. Maybe. Maybe. So Chandler agreed to turn himself in on an unrelated check fraud warrant. He initially told police he had no involvement in the shooting, but eventually confessed to Detective Handy that he had been the shooter. Chandler was convicted of armed robbery and manslaughter and sentenced to 30 years in prison. Now, you may say to yourself, well, he confessed. That means he did it, but... He's a 19-year-old kid, and they keep telling him. Yeah, they keep telling him. If you'll just tell the truth, you yeah, can go home. Many, many studies about false confessions. And, and they're saying why that, and how they happen. I read a thing the other day that said that of all the people on death row, there's like 2-point-something percent that they're 90% sure were secured by false confessions. And that equated like 58 people. There's 58 people sitting on death row. Out of false confessions. I mean, just look at making a murderer, not the the main guy, but his cousin. They just kept telling him, they're like, you know, you, you just tell us tell us what we want to hear and you can go home. You can go home watch WrestleMania. And he's like, yeah, we killed him. Like, yeah, it's the same thing with West Memphis 3. They yeah, kept telling Jason, him. Jason, uh, yeah. Miss Kelly. Yeah, they just keep telling. I mean, you've been in this room 10, 12 10, hours. 10, 12 hours deprived of food deprived of water deprived of anything and you just have cops yelling in your face just tell us and you can just go tell us and you can go home and eventually you're going to tell them it's 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 well documented that you can get a false confession yeah so edwin chandler later said that his confession was coerced after being threatened by detective handy that he would have chandler's sister arrested for harboring a fugitive and claim that detective handy had fed him information about the murder in order to attribute that information as coming from chandler himself the same thing with the confession tapes no 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 you say it like with Miss Kelly. No, 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 no. When did she die? Oh, we went over there at uh, three, three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, you listen to Miss Kelly's. Uh, they just keep feeding him. You, you listen to his, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, we, uh, we killed him at noon." And they're like, uh, "They were in school. Couldn't have been noon." He's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. It was, it was two. It's like, no, we know that it wasn't. And like five. It was five. Oh yeah, I know it was five. School didn't let out till. And yeah. yeah, they just keep feeding him information. So this case with Edwin Chandler would start the proverbial domino falling. And Detective Handy's lack of credibility after lying under oath on the case would begin to bring his conduct into question and on record. And in 2009, the Innocent Project helped to have the case re-examined. Fingerprints discovered on a bottle found on the counter at the scene were connected to a man identified as Percy Phillips. Phillips would later be tried for the shooting, and Chandler's conviction has since been overturned, with Chandler, Chandler being granted a hefty $8.5 million settlement in compensation for the wrongful conviction. Okay, so how long did they stay in jail? So Chandler was 
arrested in 93. Okay. This came out, he was freed and everything was turned over in 2009. Oof, so we're talking about 16 years? Yeah. That's not worth it. No. (laughs) I'm not going to give up 16 years of my life for $8.7 million. But thank God he got it. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, because the poor guys from West Memphis 3, they had to, to do the Alfred plea and they can't. They can't go back and get any compensation. Yeah, they got nothing. They just got... That is insane. And they really only got their freedom. They didn't get their innocence. They just got their freedom. Yeah. No, yeah, they had to... Yeah, in the West Memphis 3, like, Jason Baldwin was like, fuck that. No, I'm not and taking then he realized, plea. Yeah, and then he but realized then that were, Damien would yeah, die. Yeah, they were like, you know, Damien's going to die if we don't do this. Like, he's on death row and... So he accepted it. Yeah. But I respect the hell out of Jason Baldwin for not wanting, not even wanting to do that. He's like, no, man, I'm not saying I did it. Like, fuck that. I didn't do shit. Like, Well, and they also had to con- uh, convince Miss Kelly that he needed to take it as well because his mother had gone to him after he was sentenced and said, look, son, if you lie, you are going to hell just like everybody else that does bad things. And so he was like, I'm not getting in front of the judge and telling mm-hmm. everybody my mama said. And that mm-hmm. was another thing, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so after helping Chandler in his case, the Innocent Project began examining the cases of both Hardin and Clark. A judge initially ruled against granting DNA testing on the hair samples taken from the scene of Rhonda's murder, stating that doing so would not overturn Hardin or Clark's convictions. It would only suggest a third unknown person could have been involved in Rhonda's murder. Wow. It was later learned, though through a complaint filed on behalf of Hardin that in addition to Detective Handy, Sheriff Joseph Greer had also assisted in corrupting the case against Clark and Hardin. Sheriff Greer is alleged to have conspired with Clark's former girlfriend to present information, information suggesting that Clark had an active interest in Satanism and the desire to kill people and animals. According to the complaint, Clark had witnessed his former girlfriend abusing her son and reported it to police. It is believed that Clark's ex-girlfriend agreed to testify against Clark in hopes of receiving a reduced sentence in her own case. A woman scorned would, would lie? What? I'm just, I mean, you, you had me at a reduced sentence. Like... I promise you, you don't want to commit a crime with me because I will, I will talk. I will talk. I will sing to the rooftops, buddy. I, somebody got to cut a deal, and it's going to be me. Just y'all keep that in mind if you ever want to party with Coach. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I got no shame. I am not going to prison. I've seen way too many documentaries. Now, Clark's one-time cellmate and the man who claimed that Clark had confessed to the murder murder twice to him, Clifford Capps, was also offered a deal by Sheriff Greer. In exchange for Capps' testimony, Sheriff Greer told Capps he would receive leniency in his pending court cases. See, there you go. I'm telling you, somebody got to get it. Somebody getting a deal. It's going to be me. As for the broken glass and rag, which served as the creme de la creme of the physical evidence against Clark and Harden, DNA testing determined that the blood on both the glass and the rag had belonged to Harden, as he stated. Additional DNA testing on the hair samples found on Rhonda's body was determined to belong to neither Harden or Clark or Rhonda. Instead, these hairs were determined to have belonged to another man. It would be this combination of modern DNA testing... Known corruption of Hardin and Sheriff Greer, and the prosecution's failure to examine other evidence suggesting the perpetrator was someone other than Hardin and Clark that would convince Kentucky's attorney general to re examine the case. This is insane. Now, after 22 years behind bars for a crime they did oh, not commit, 22 years. Kentucky's attorney general had agreed to overturn the original rulings in the case. Both men have been cleared on all charges, and it would seem that the tables were turned. Detective Handy, whose testimony on the alleged satanic rituals that convinced a jury to sentence these two men to life in prison, 
is now under criminal investigation for police misconduct. And what's even funnier than that is the day that the Kentucky Attorney General agreed to overturn and give them a new trial, he mysteriously takes an early retirement. Hmm. No. I know that's hard to believe. Now, the Innocence Project, you know, tried, like we stated earlier, to get DNA testing on the hairs. And according to, I can't think of, it's one of their attorneys. I want to say it's Clark's attorney, but I'm not sure. Safey is her last name. Mm -hmm. She began working on the case in 2012 and said the prosecutor's office did not agree to the DNA test. And the Innocence Project even offered to pay for the DNA test. I mean, that, that's so strange. Why would you not want to get it right? I don't know. I don't understand that either. I mean, it just blows my mind. Now, some people, it just seems that they worry about their reputation and they worry about the things that don't matter. I mean, who cares? No one's going to think about, oh, well, I convicted these men, but you're going to be seen as a hero if you if you go through all the channels that, you, that are available to you and you prove that they're innocent and you're like, dude, I'm sorry, but no one's going to think differently of you. But some people just, it just seems like they don't care. They would rather go down with the ship. They'd rather go down on the ship and know that they're wrong. That's what I just don't. Then go over, back man. on their own word, and I just I can't I can't just I can't stand I can't, that. Shit. Yeah, no, it's just it's crazy. All right, so like both the, like I mean again we keep tying it to the West Memphis Three because it's so similar, but yeah, they're the the prosecutor of that still swears, and the fucking judge. That's who I want to just yeah, bitch slap. The judge and the God prosecutor almighty. they still swear that they got it right, and it's very very clear. That they, that they were innocent. railroaded them, son yeah, of a bitch. Those kids were innocent, and they spent years in prison for nothing. But they will not go back on their word. All right, so I got to calm down. Woosa, <laughs> woosa. So the Innocence Project and the Kentucky Innocence Project appealed this ruling to have the DNA test all the way up to the Kentucky Supreme Court. And at the time, the prosecution was still fighting the DNA test. That just makes no sense. And one of the Supreme Court justices of Kentucky looked directly at a prosecutor and asked, why won't you just give them a test? Yeah, that's a great question. And then ruled in their behalf and said, you're going to give them the test. Thank God. Yes. The testing granted in 2013 ended up proving that the two men were innocent. There you go. Hairs, and that's what I just don't understand. I would much rather be wrong than allow two men to, two die. Men to die in prison. Yeah. I would much rather that I'm proved wrong. And I, okay, well, I fucked up. You know, I, I did my job. My job was to prosecute. I did it. And they, the jury, but now, you know, hey, shit happens. Yeah, they keep doubling down. No, no, no. Yeah, they, they, that's, this is ridiculous. But anyway, so every single hair that could be tested that was found on Rhonda's body, including the hair that was said to be a microscopic match to Harden, was conclusively determined from DNA testing not to have come from either Harden or Clark. So the evidence used to convict them has been proven false. But here's the thing, I mean, and, you know, people are going to hear this and be like, well, where's the mystery? The mystery is, is we still don't know who killed this woman. This poor woman was angrily stabbed to death with a horrific violence. And there's no telling. I mean, they, they focused on these two guys so much that they allowed the actual murderer to slip through their hands. The DNA or the hair evidence wasn't the only piece of evidence used against Harden and Clark that the re-examination shot down. The blood that was found in Harden's home that was on the glass, or the piece of glass and the wash rag, that the damn attorney's office had said was used to put blood in, was a a sacrificial chalice that they drank blood from, was also an absurd... Turned out as a fucking coffee cup. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically, I want to say it was a glass that they, like... And some of our younger listeners will not remember this. Jealous. 
But if you went to your grandparents' house, they always had a class right there next to the damn sink that they would use to drink water out of. At least mine did. Mine did, too. And so it was probably one of those. But anyway, so from the beginning, Hardin testified that he never killed anyone, human or otherwise. Yeah, but when you when you can use the word sacrificial chalice. Yeah, it's just you're sensationalizing you, bullshit. I mean, you just got to use those words, man. That's such, Those are such good words. If you can, if you find an opportunity to use it, use it. <laughs> and the fact that Harden said, "No, look, I broke a glass and cut myself on back in '95 during the trial," it took until 2013 for them to prove, "Hey, he's telling the truth, and he has been this whole time." <laughs> Dude just cut himself. Like, yeah. So it's just crazy. The attorney Safey would state that. Detective Mark Handy, who headed the investigation into the stabbing death of Rhonda, claimed that Hardin, quote, used to be involved in Satanism and used to kill animals and that he got tired of that and decided he wanted to sacrifice a human being. She also said her client never did any of that and instead he was a typical young person who had some curiosity about the occult. He I had mean, a who doesn't? He had a book on Satanism he got from the high school library. And this was a teenager, she stated, who was doing teenage things and reading these books and meditating and had interest in heavy metal music, hmm. as many others did in the 80s and 90s. Meditating. We know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Safey would go on to state that Handy has been connected with at least one other case where a suspect he helped convict was later proven innocent. She also led the charge to reinvestigate every one of his confessions that wow, he got. Dang. So the closer just got the door opened up on that ass. Well, now a free man, Harden and Clark, state that they do not harbor any anger wow. for the 26 years they spent behind bars. Oh, no. <laughs> they better man than me. I promise you that yeah. much. She said that they're both thrilled to be out. I'd be at the closer's fucking front porch. Be like, excuse me. Hey, how, when's excuse the last me. time you toted one? <laughs> Hello? I got some Girl Scout cookies out here. <laughs> me and you need to talk, brother. There won't be a whole lot of talking, though. <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, the attorney safety would state on record that it was a travesty of justice, and you would think that someone would be angry, but they're not. And she said, they are just the nicest people I've ever known. He is trying, they're both trying to move on with their lives, trying to find a good job, trying to find a way to make up for all those lost years, which you really can't make up for. He's hopeful and not angry. Oh, jeez. No. It's, it's just, I just don't live in that world where I can just, oh, I don't have any hard feelings. It was 26 years of your life. That is at the very least... I mean, a fourth, if you're lucky, a fourth of your life, if not a third. Nah, somebody's ass getting kicked, for, sh for sure. Now, there is an article, and I'll post a link to this on our Facebook page, but it's by the Courier-Journal in Kentucky, and it goes on to talk about the judge who granted a new trial for Harden and Clark stated, this is great, Despite his emphatic finding that newly available DNA testing showed the Commonwealth got it wrong in the 1995 trial, the Meade Commonwealth's attorney and the Attorney General's office are doubling down charging Hardin and Clark with new offenses for which they could be sentenced to death. That's ins this is insane. And this was back in January of 2017. In a motion filed in December... In Meade Circuit Court, lawyers for the pair charge that prosecutors are pursuing tougher charges out of vindictiveness and in retaliation for exercising their legal right to attack their murder convictions. Wow. The motion filed by lawyers for the Innocent Project in New York and the Kentucky Innocence Project and the Exoneration Project in Chicago asked the new indictment be dismissed on the grounds of vindictiveness. To punish a person because he has done what the law plainly allows him to do is a due process violation of the most basic sort, the attorney said. Barry Sheck, 
who is the co-director of the Innocence Project, said it is troubling that the Commonwealth has upped the ante by charging both men for the first time with kidnapping. What? Which carries the death penalty. <laughs> Good God. Co-counsel, co, yeah, co-counsel for Clark, Linda Smith, stated, I see this as a waste of taxpayer money, and I am truly bothered by it as a citizen of this county. The motion that was filed, like I said, in December of 2016, by attorney David Michael Williams and assistant attorney Gerald Perry Ryan of retaliating the against the defendants for eviscerating the Commonwealth's case in their successful motion for a new trial. In an email, Deputy Attorney General J. Michael Brown said the assertions are entirely inaccurate. Brown said Williams is handling this case and is making the decisions for the prosecution. Williams would not respond to an email or phone call requesting comment. A pretrial conference in the case is set for, and they give a date. This, this is insane. Are you so, are you, I mean, who, like, who cares if you're proven wrong? You just have to, you just go, oh man, that sucks, my bad. Why would you go through all this to try and keep two innocent people in jail? It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, there was a judge in this case, and his they just go by Judge Butler, wrote in a 24-page opinion last July that DNA testing showed that the testimony was false and that there was no credible evidence to support satanic ritual claims. Butler granted the two, Harden and Clark, a new trial, which Williams, of course, appealed, but they were released on bond. Now, the former attorney, Kenton Smith, who originally prosecuted the case, said he thinks the jury, I know here's a shocker, got the case correct. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, the new indictment, like we stated, stated, adds kidnapping, a capital offense, when the victim is not released alive. It also charges Clark with perjury for testifying under oath in 2015 in a hearing on the motion for a new trial that he had never admitted any involvement in the murder when, in fact, he had previously testified before the Kentucky Parole Board in 2006 that he helped move her body after her murder. What? Yeah, this is bullshit. The lawyers note that Judge Butler, in his order granting the new trial, already found that the testimony before the parole board has, quote, no legal relevance because prisoners, including Clark, know they must admit their crimes to win parole, even if they are innocent. The motion says the perjury charges a proof of the prosecution's vindictiveness. Which is, that statement's kind of stupid. I agree with the, the sentiment, but it's kind of stupid. Yeah. It's like, you have to admit to your crime to get parole? I mean, and here's where I, I like this judge. He says the motion says the perjury charges proof of prosecution's vindictiveness. Quote, the Commonwealth may not sit by for 10 years and seek revenge once it receives a ruling that displeases it. In a separate motion, defense lawyers ask that Ryan be disqualified from prosecuting the case because he testified before the Meade County Grand Jury that returned the new indictments in September for kidnapping, which the motion calls as a flagrant abuse of power. Brown, the deputy attorney general, said Ryan did not provide sworn testimony to the grand jury and, quote, participated only in a normal and appropriate role as an attorney. That's what I'm, it just goes back to the whole thing where they're just, they're fucking doubling down on shit that they know you've been caught. The DNA says them, them boys were never there. And then you're going to try to charge them with fucking kidnapping. I don't, I don't get it. How can you, here's my question. How are you going to, if they, they just legally proved that they didn't kill her, but you're going to charge them with kidnapping. How are you going to even prove that? No. Yeah. If you got you have DNA proof that they weren't there. How on earth are you going to prove they kidnapped? That's just, I mean, that's, man, this is, man, don't worship Satan in Kentucky, bro. <laughs> don't, I, here's my <laughs> that's thing. That's the lesson here. <laughs> and I know the older you get, the you, you do get smarter. But my thing is, don't be inquisitive. And I guess I I didn't think about this until, you know, we've brought them up before. But Necronomapod did a four-part series on the West Memphis Three. And the thing is, there was one of the hosts there was 
kind of felt like he could have been Damian Eccles. And I think a lot of people, that's why they got behind the free the West Memphis three, because at the time you're just an inquisitive teenager. Somebody says Satanism and you're like, what the hell is that? Especially growing up in the Bible belt. I could have easily been Damian Eccles. Like easily. Yeah. Like that's why so many people got behind them is because they saw that they saw themselves in these kids that, I mean, there was just, there was so much evidence to prove that those kids were innocent. Just like yeah. this case, man, there's no evidence tying Clark and Harden to the scene. The only thing they had was that one fingerprint that they testified in the original case, an expert testified that it could have been there months prior. I mean, and I, then for you to waste away 26 years of your life. I mean, I know they want they want to to solve the case. They want to close it as quickly as possible to satisfy the public. But man, it just get it right. Yeah, That's my get home. it right. Get it right. I would rather as and, and this is I know it's easy for me to sit here and say because my son's alive, but I would rather know that my son's case, God forbid, if he was ever murdered was cold rather than having the false hope stripped away from me and later finding out that not only did they convict the wrong person, but that person had lost 25 years of their life based on bullshit. Yeah, I mean, when you look at, I mean, I know the West Memphis Three, like, they have all made peace with each other. Like, Damien Eccles and the victims' families are friendly. Because they know. And Jason Baldwin's been working with one of the mothers that's still alive to help find. Anytime she's like, hey, I think we've got a new lead, he'll come up from Texas and help her any way he can. Yeah. I mean, they are still trying to find who did this. But, I mean, they, they've made peace. Like, if you watch those documentaries on HBO, man, Mark David Byers was 1,000% convinced that those kids did it and he was on there telling them you're gonna burn in hell and, and then he shoots some pumpkins up yeah and he shoots the pump that's you damien and man they're even friendly he's even made peace with them because they just know that they didn't do it right and i think that's what it is in this situation and i couldn't find like i said there's nothing unless you probably live in kentucky and have access to databases that we can't get here in georgia there's Please just send nothing. Them our way, then, yeah. There's are. just nothing that I could find about poor Rhonda and her family. And is her parents still alive? And that's Has the tra- been- That's the real tragedy. Is the fact that there's going to be no satisfaction on her part, and she's the forgotten victim. And she that's really terrible. Is. It is, and that it's and terrible. It, it just goes on. You know, this still is an unsolved case, and the only reason that we got it right was because. They, well, the only reason we're covering this, not because we got it right, the only reason that we're covering this is because this has come to light, because the closer, Detective Handy, you know, was is found out to be a fucking crook, crooked cop. He was just like the West Memphis Three. He had his eyes set on Satanic, and it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that West Memphis, uh, the guy that was on the stand, he's like, oh, I got a doctorate in Satanology from a fucking mail order. (laughs) Never attended a class. I got this degree. And they, hey, what's fucked up is that guy's still alive. And Bob Ruff. No way he's still alive. Yes. No way. Bob like 80. Bob Ruff. (laughs) Yeah, now he is old. (laughs) Bob Ruff interviewed him on the Oxygen Network, the Forgotten West Memphis Three. Yeah. And they interview that guy, and he still is drinking the Kool-Aid. No, I know I got it right. Motherfucker, you read a book. I just, God, it just drives my, oh, it just gets me all fired up. But anyway, all right. I mean, we didn't mean to make this all about the <laughs> West Memphis Three. It's just the parallels are just They are, and that's, so that's what's evident. so. And the problem is there's probably other cases out there that don't get national attention that have the same parallels yeah i mean it's a good chance of it the satanic panic was wide open in the early 90s late 80s and here's the thing is if now we can't discredit all this satanic stuff completely because we do know of the case in mexico where they literally sacrificed an american to satan 
it is a horrid event, but most people that quote unquote follow Satan, like the church of Satan, man, they're normal people just trying to like essentially lampoon organized religion. Like it's not that it's not, it's not the scariest thing that you could be part of. No, I think by definition, the church of Satan, their creed or whatever it is, is they focus on the self yeah. and making the self happy. Yeah, exactly. They want to be, you know, whatever makes you happy, do it. If you want that, like, if you want to be happy, be happy. Do whatever it makes, do whatever you can to make yourself happy. It's essentially my understanding of it. I could be fucking wrong. I'm, I'm pretty stupid. This is a, you know. Like we've said many times, this is just a basement in the middle of fucking Georgia. We don't know shit, so prove me wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, final thoughts. What's your... I think I'm, we've just danced, right? I mean, we really I'm don't have... I'm just so sad that the fact that this person will never see justice. She will never get what she deserves. Justice is the bare minimum of what people deserve when tragic things like this happen, there needs to be an answer, but there just won't be because Kentucky doesn't give a shit. Sorry. Sorry, Kentucky, but you don't. You don't care. Well, it's that and it's the... Just having blinders on is, is what kills me. Like you stated, I don't, not admitting yeah, you're wrong. We got it wrong. I don't be wrong. If I'm wrong, prove me wrong. Well, and my thing you know, is, my, I've seen a lot of things that say, you know, you're successful because you got it wrong before. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm if I'm a prosecuting attorney, the people across from me, I'm going to prosecute. That's my job. But at the same time, if you can prove to me that I got it wrong, I will accept that and move on. I don't see why they are so adamant about saying they got it right when clearly they didn't. Know what I mean, Vern? I know what you mean, Vern. All right, <laughs> recommendations? Uh, my recommendation is going to be a YouTube channel called The Missing, and it is exceptional. He recreates, he talks about missing persons, mostly in the um, missing 411 category, but it's not completely limited to that. And he uh, is just a narrator, and he... Uh, has uh what am I thinking animations to pretty much everything he doesn't but look him up he's good well I'm going to recommend I could have been much smoother yeah you could have <laughs> a little bumpy but uh I'm going to recommend two documentaries and it's by Chad Kalick and he was a paranormal investigator on Discovery I think for a while Man, one of them was, was. called Two Face the Gray and then the follow up video that takes over right after that one ends is called Phantom Rider. And they are two documentaries that will make you think. I'm not saying that any of it's true. I don't want to think. But it is a lot of stuff that you've heard over the years about gray aliens and whether or not the government knows it. It is a, those two documentaries are a follow-up to his first documentary called Sir No Face. (laughs) Sir No Face (laughs) is horrible. Don't waste your time watching Sir No Face. Just watch the two I gave you, Two-Face the Gray and Phantom Rider. If you watch Two-Face the Gray, it gives you all of the information you need from the first one without wasting your life for that hour. (laughs) But they are good good documentaries. You got anything else here, Slapnut? I don't ever have anything. I know it. (laughs) Deuces!